to my seventh night of my Horror Nights in Christmas special with me, your host, Crystal. Tonight, I will be giving you my honest and horrific opinion on Christmas presents. So, Christmas Presents was actually first released in the UK on March 30th, 2018, uh, but Shudder actually released it on December 13th of this year. It was directed by James Edward Cook, and it has a running time of an hour and 25 minutes. Rotten Tomatoes actually didn't uh, have any rating for this movie, but IMDb gave it a 4.6 out of 10. So, a quick summary of this movie is a diverse group of friends gathers for the festive season in a remote lodge, but plans go awry. Some of them go missing, and the truth behind why all of them are there is disclosed as Christmas turns to chaos and a bloody nightmare ensues. So if this is the first time you are hearing my voice, hello and welcome. I hope that you stay and I hope that you like my voice enough to stay. <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway, I am Crystal and um, I put a podcast up every Saturday, but this is actually a Christmas special. Usually my podcasts are about 45 minutes to an hour long, but because I am recording them all pretty quickly and this is a special um these podcasts are only about 20 minutes long um i also am very active on twitter so if you want to hang out with me over there my twitter handle is at horror daddies rs i love interacting with you guys and the horror family so come hang out and usually for my normal podcast, I go into a very detailed summary of the movie, but because for time's sake and my sanity and because it's the holiday season, um, I basically just wrote down some notes for the movie and then I'll give you guys any uh, fun facts or anything that I've read about the movie. All right, so this movie is based somewhere in England, which is... Um, <laughs> which is what it says in the beginning of the movie. And also, before I even get started, disclosure, there are spoilers in my podcast, so please don't come after me if I ruin the movie for you. Um, it is uh, a good movie, so I'd go check it out. Um, so anyway, uh, we have an eclectic group of friends um, who are staying in a strange uh, log lodge for Christmas. It looks like they're staying there from Christmas to Christmas Eve. There's about there's six of them, actually. Um, they have a very strong bond. The beginning of the movie was a little bit slow for me, but then it started to pick up a little bit. Um, one of the guys, his name is Hugo. He's a fashion designer, and apparently he came out with a new line of lingerie. Uh, and so all the friends are kind of, they're drinking, and they're getting drunk, and they're trying on this lingerie. And uh, it was a little bit weird in just my opinion. I don't really think that I would do that with my friends. But hey, everybody's different, not judging. Uh, I respect it. Um, so as the friends start to kind of tamper off a little bit, they go pass out because they're drunk. Uh, we have a bonding moment between Hugo and the main character, Mackenzie, basically saying, um, you know, if we get to be this age, let's marry each other kind of thing. So you can obviously tell they've been friends for a long time and that they have a very strong friendship. Um, Mackenzie then goes inside because she's tired and Hugo goes outside for one last cigarette. This is when we see him face, he's facing the camera and he's looking at something. He's very startled and he's very afraid. And then all of a sudden the scene cuts. So obviously as a horror fan, we know that he is probably dead. 
Then we are introduced to the caretaker. So I'm sorry. It is the next morning and we are introduced to the hungover cast <laughs> or the hungover friends. And we're introduced to the caretaker of the, um, of the lodge that they're staying in. And he's looking at Mackenzie and he's basically says, oh, I couldn't tell you a day apart or I couldn't tell you two apart. And then he makes a comment about her father who we then find out died two months previously. So there's a couple other friends in the kitchen with her and they're kind of looking at her odd. Um, and then the caretaker leaves and we find out that Mackenzie is actually a twin and uh, her twin's name uh, was Daisy and her name that her mother gave her was Rose. Um, but her twin Daisy actually went missing um, and... We then find out that her twin Daisy uh, went missing very close to where the lodge is located. Um, and we also find out that Mackenzie was with her twin when it happened. So as everyone is starting to wake up, uh, one of the characters, Joe, comes downstairs and she says, Oh, Hugo never left because it, it was in the plan. It was the intention that Hugo was supposed to leave in the morning. But then one of the characters, Joe, comes down the stairs and she says he never left. His clothes are still here. So then they go out and they start searching for him um, and they can't find him. So they all get back to the house, to the lodge, and they go upstairs and see that Hugo's clothes were actually all over the place. So they think that Hugo is playing a trick on them, and they're saying, like, oh, Hugo, like, come out, like, stop playing your trick on us. Um, and then, you know, one friend says, oh, he's probably not even here. He probably just left all of his stuff. So they all pretty much assume and convince each other that Hugo just left and that, he, or he left his clothes, and it's not that big of a deal. So then we get back into the story of Mackenzie and her twin and how um, basically it all happened and how they kind of want her to talk about her past. And there is another character, her name is Anita, and I I don't know exactly what she does. I think she's a hip, hypnotist, um, but one of the other characters makes a comment that she does like voodoo. Um, so... Anita actually suggests that Mackenzie uh, let her hypnotize her. So um, Mackenzie lays out on the couch. Anita starts to hypnotize her, basically going back to the day that it happened when her when her twin went missing. And Mackenzie says that um, that Daisy disappeared behind a stone. So this is the first time we're hearing about this weird stone thing. And then we get, uh, we're pretty much deep into the memory and all of a sudden uh, a car horn goes off. And I, guys, I literally jumped when this happened because I was like so into the scene. And all of a sudden, I don't know if they did it with the sound or something, but it got so loud. And I, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> um, so then they all jump and they run outside and they see that they assume that it's Hugo playing a trick on them. So they're all like, Hugo, like, come out. Like, we know you're out here. Um, but then they see that the tire, one of the tires actually slashed. So then it starts to get a little like, okay, like, what's actually going on here? Um, and then they see, uh, they go back inside and they go to pick up the phone. They see that, or one of the characters goes to pick up the phone and the phone lines are down. Um, and they also, side note, of course, they have no service in the middle of nowhere, so none of their phones are working. 
So now we're back with Mackenzie. She's in the bathroom. And apparently, according to Anita, it's not good to come out of hypnosis that quickly. You're supposed to come out of a hypnosis very slowly because it could be traumatizing to your brain, I guess. I'm not really sure how that works. Um, so considering she was brought out of it really abruptly, she goes into the bathroom and she kind of puts some water on her face. And just a side note, guys, I hate uh, in horror movies when they mess with the mirrors because I think mirrors themselves are so, so creepy. So Mackenzie is actually looking at herself in the mirror and then she goes to move her face and of course her reflection doesn't move and it's just so creepy because she like freaks out and she backs up into the wall and then the reflection is still not moving. I can't even think about it because I hate when um there's mirror stuff and not because I don't like it because it freaks me the fuck out guys like it it makes me cringe cringe um so while this is happening, uh, Joe and another character actually go outside and they're going to get firewood because it's freezing and um, we find out that it's, uh, Joe and the other character um, find Hugo's uh, dead body out by, um, by the wood pile. So they bring his body inside and they lay it down. It's covered with a sheet and Mackenzie's freaking out. Of course she would be. It's like her best friend. And um, she's like, no, it's hypothermia. Call the doctor. Call the doctor. And of course they're they're like, well, he's dead and the phone lines don't work anyway. Um, So I'm just trying to at this point to try and figure out like, like in my head, I'm like, what the fuck is even out there? Like, what is it? Is it an animal? Is it a demon? Is it the, who is it? Like, who's doing this? Um... So then Mackenzie goes upstairs and she hears something from inside of her closet and she opens up the closet and it's Hugo inside and he's tied up and he's basically saying like, oh, it's them. And they have a gun, by the way, because Joe apparently is like some trained assassin or something or so she says. Um, And Hugo is inside the closet alive and says... Um, it's them. You had, you just have to get the gun away from Joe. Like they're the ones who are doing this. They're the ones that let us here, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then in my head, as I'm watching this, I'm like, I bet it's whatever this thing is. Um, whatever this demon or whatever this form or whatever this thing. Yeah. Let me stop repeating myself. Um, is taking on the form of Hugo and it's not real. So obviously Mackenzie not, clearly seeing her friend there goes downstairs grabs the gun from joe um points her into the living room and makes them all sit at the chair and they have and she says tie each other up and obviously she has a gun so everyone's listening to what she's saying and they're all freaking out they're like mackenzie what's wrong with you what's wrong with you and she goes i know what you did hugo told me he's upstairs tied in the closet and they're all like no like his body is in the kitchen like go look go look so she slowly goes into the kitchen and there, of course, is Hugo's dead body with the sheet over it. She rips the sheet off and there is Hugo under the sheet, still dead. So Mackenzie starts freaking out. She goes back into the living room where her friends are tied up and they're all like, "You don't you believe us? Like, you have to believe us, like untie us. And then before she can even do that, the table that's in the middle of all of them uh, is pretty much levitates off the floor and then slams back down. Everybody's freaking out. Mackenzie's obviously knows that something else is going on. There's something else in the house besides them. So she starts untying everybody. And um, 
they're all trying to figure out what the hell is happening. They're like, should we leave? Should we go? Um, so they, they obviously can't go anywhere because, um, they would have to, if they were to leave, it would have to be on foot because the car that they have, uh, has slashed tires. So they decide obviously to stay in and then they start hearing things. Um, so they go upstairs and one of the characters sees that there's a message on her MacBook. So she goes over and I think it says like one is killed by the LBD and, um, there must have been a joke in the beginning of the movie that said, oh, like this is the lesbian bed or something because the two of the characters are obviously female and they're in a relationship. And um, so the character, she gets on the bed and the bed actually closes up on her. And this is, and all the friends are in there now because obviously she said there's a message. And so then we see that she's killed by this fold up bed <laughs> which was I wasn't expecting that I was like hmm okay that's interesting but okay I, I get it I like that that's unique um so then we see that there's a dark entity appears and um we learn that it's going after their internal fears their primal fears their their phobias um like claustrophobia and isolation we also learn from Anita that there is, who's like the voodoo hypnotist, we also learn um, about these certain kind of stones being used in another dimension, like an evil dark dimension for human sacrifice. Uh, so the story is kind of starting to piece together a little bit. Um, so basically, whatever this dark entity is, uh, it kind of looks like um, the face of the thing from Insidious and and then we but it also kind of looks like a spider I don't really know how to explain it but it's definitely something that is demonic it's obviously something that's very evil um so yeah it, it looks like a spider and now it's the point of the movie where it's starting to pick up and it's starting to go after each of the friends and basically killing them off one by one so I did like the idea of whatever this demon was uh, playing on their on their phobias. Um, I thought that was a good part of the movie. Um, so obviously the girl who got closed up in the lesbian deathbed, apparently she uh, didn't like claustrophobia. She didn't like closed spaces. And Hugo was afraid of isolation, so he was killed when he was alone. Um, so then we move on to Joe and she's going up into this room where she hears a noise and there's this really weird ghost or weird, I don't even know. It looks like a, it has like a bald head, a really long nose, but it's dressed in like Victorian clothes or clothes or something. Um, it's singing and it's very weird. It's very creepy and I didn't like it. I remember I was watching it. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Like, I don't, I don't want to watch that. It reminded me of the weird song from Insidious too. And I don't know why this movie, some of these parts of this movie definitely remind me of Insidious a lot, which I'm totally happy with. I, I, I love those movies. I thought they were great. I actually saw Insidious. I saw all of them in the movie theaters. Um, so then we see, this is Joe's nightmare and uh, I was actually uh, talking to a couple people about this because she started throwing up buttons. And apparently when she was younger, she would eat, eat buttons as a coping mechanism because people would make fun of her because of her weight. So she died from 
Um, obviously, she was throwing up buttons, so um, she died of strangulation of a button. So I understand where that was coming from with the, with the phobia and the childhood trauma. Um, so now we are back with, uh, oh, and also Anita dies too. She dies in the kitchen. She dies by slashing her own throat. Um, and now we're back with Mackenzie and she goes into the basement and she sees her twin sister is down there with, um, like a pillowcase over her head and her hands are all tied together with her feet. And in the back of my head, I'm like, girl, it's not real. Like, get out of there. It's whatever this weird demon thing is. Um, and apparently she named, she, she used, she changed her name to Mackenzie after her twin went missing. But whatever this thing is in the basement called her Mackenzie. And that's when Mackenzie immediately knew that this was not her twin. This was actually this demon. So this is where it gets, this is also extremely creepy scene, which I was like, Ooh, okay, like that's going to give me nightmares. Um, her eyes start to get black and she's kind of just like talking to her twin and, and just being real creepy in this really creepy voice. And obviously Mackenzie runs away. Um, so then we see that it keeps taking on the form of their dead friends. Um, so Mackenzie's actually running from the house and she looks back and there's a scene which I thought was super dope. Um, all of her friends are in the window watching uh, her as she runs away. Um, and that scene kind of reminded me of the end of, what's the name of that movie? Oculus. When they're all in the windows and they're all looking out, but like they're standing in the window and there's like this weird blue, blue glow behind them. Like I thought that was a really cool scene. I liked that a lot. Um, so then we also have one of the characters that I mentioned earlier. Uh, his name is actually Marcus. He was either in a relationship or he was married to Anita, but he's actually in love with Mackenzie. Um, so we only have Marcus and Mackenzie left. Everybody else is dead. Um, so Marcus basically says that his biggest fear in his life was to lose Mackenzie. So um, he, they need to, it's basically like, oh, it's either like me or you. And Marcus sacrifices himself and he gives this little story and says, because as I said before, they're taking on the form of their friends. So Mackenzie's like, how do I know it's actually you? And Marcus tells her this story about the first time that he saw her. Um, I think he's a vet. I d don't quote me on that. Um, tells her the story of how Mackenzie brought in her dog because it ate too much chocolate and they were just talking about a different things. And Mackenzie's like, I always thought of you as my dad. And Marcus like looks down because obviously he's in love with her and doesn't want to hear that. Kind of dad zoned her instead of friend zoned her, I guess you could say. Um, so then, um, you know, Mackenzie's just saying, well, it's you or it's me. It's you or it's me. Like, it's not going to let us both leave. Like, we're both going to die here. And that's when Marcus takes the knife that's in his hand. And he basically slices his own throat. And he sacrifices himself. And then we see as soon as he drops down to the ground, her eyes uh, turn black and we can see that this demon was um, basically posing as Mackenzie. And then McKen the demon Mackenzie takes the knife out of um, Marcus's hands and just starts stabbing the shit out of him. 
So now we're back with the real Mackenzie, who's obviously freaking out somewhere else in the forest because she ran away from the house, as I had mentioned earlier. Um, so then we see that she is actually back at the same exact place where her twin uh, first went missing. And we see the stones. And um, this is the stones that obviously Anita was talking about, how it holds some kind of like demonic weird ritual human sacrifice kind of thing and we see that uh her sister not really her sister is the demon sister is telling her to like oh follow me follow me and Mackenzie's like no I know you're not really her like um so then all of a sudden we see car lights and Mackenzie runs into the middle of the road and is like stop please like stop I need help and oh and there's also before we move on to the next scene there's also a really cool scene um when the demon twin is standing in front of her and she's facing the stones and Mackenzie's saying like no and we actually see her face come through the back of her head and look at Mackenzie I thought that was a really cool scene I liked that a lot um so then she's out in the middle of the road she sees a car she sees the headlights and we see that it's the old man that I mentioned earlier who was kind of like the keeper of the house um, and knew her from when she was younger and when her sister went missing and knew her father when they were younger. Um, so she, Mackenzie jumps into the car and saves her from the demon that, that was pretending to be her sister. Um, and she's saying, like, we need to get to a phone. We need to get to a phone. Like, we have to get out of here. And we see that the old man is turning back towards the house he looks over at her and then he hits her. Oh, he sprays her in the face with something first. Look like Windex or something. <laughs> he, so he sprays her in the face and then he hits her in the head with a hammer and brings her back towards the house. So then the scene ends and we go to the next scene and he's basically like cleaning up all the evidence that the people are there. So he's, you know, dragging their bodies into the back of a truck. He's taking all their clothes and and putting them in their uh, suitcases. And then we see him go downstairs in the basement. And he throws um, their luggage with a shit ton of other luggage in the basement. So we can obviously can see that this has been going on for a very, very long time. Um, and I wrote down in my notes. I was like, it's kind of like a fucked up Airbnb featuring a demon. <laughs> um so then the next scene is uh, Mackenzie actually is not dead and she wakes up in a crate um, and she's surrounded by the bodies of her dead friends um, and then it kind of pans out and we see that we see that the crate is in between all the different stones um, so I have to assume that this is the sacrifice that they were talking about earlier um, and then she starts screaming and the caretaker puts gasoline all over the crate, lights it on fire and sacrifices the six bodies to the dark Lord. <laughs> uh, he actually breaks the fourth wall in the ending scene and says that my folks is the truth behind or the true meaning of boxing day blues. And then the movie is over. <laughs> so then I was curious as to what boxing day blues blues meant so I did look it up and I did see that there is an origin of Boxing Day which I was familiar with so but uh, according to um, 
thespruce.com. A Christmas box in Britain is the name of a, for a Christmas present. Boxing Day was traditionally a day off for server, servants and the day when you received a Christmas box from the master. The servants would also go home on Boxing Day to give Christmas boxes to their family. Um, and then I looked up Boxing Day Blues and it looks like it's just a song. Um, but of course being naive and being an American and being ignorant to other cultures, um, at least for this, um, genre, I, I'm not exactly sure what it means. So if one of my listeners out there knows what it is, please tweet me at Horror Daddies R Us and tell me what it means because I would really like to be in on the joke so that I can understand what he meant. Um, I have to assume it's, it's with what I said, like, uh, with a Christmas box. Um, so yeah, let me know what that means and explain it to me and educate me because I don't know what it means at all. So anyway, let's talk about the movie. So I actually watched this movie in, in, I watched the first half during the day and then I watched the last half at night. Um, so the first half of the movie, I really wasn't feeling it. I really wasn't that big a fan of, of, I don't know. I just, I was just like, eh, just watch the rest of it later. Cause I don't know if I'm going to like it. Uh, it like didn't hold my attention. Um, but then when I got home and I watched it, um, I really started to like it and I really liked the whole premise of the movie. Now, what I do have to say though, is I think there were too many things going on. I think that uh, the, yeah, and guys, this is just my opinion. I am nowhere near a director or writer or of, of any kind of movie. This is just my opinion. Um, I really wish they had focused on one particular time or, um, subject. So we had the whole, um, the sister went missing and then we had the whole, uh, stone thing. And then we had the demon with the phobia, um, and I really wish it was just kind of one thing and we had more of a background on the friends and the more background of their phobia. So we kind of knew what was going to happen. Like, I feel like if we had known some of their phobias before they died, then we could have anticipated a little bit more and I would have been more curious to see how they would die. Like if we knew that the one chick was claustrophobic and then we see that she's going to jump onto a foldaway bed and that she gets, you know, crushed by the foldaway bed, then I think that would have been a little bit more of like a, oh, because she's claustrophobic, not so much after the fact. Uh, I also wanted to talk about um, the camera work and some of the effects that I um, that were in the movie. Um, I really did like the scenery that was around the house and around the land. Um, I was reading an article, um, and I'll link it for you. It's from 1428elm.com. Uh, the writer's name is Mad, uh, Mads Lennon, and she actually put it really well. She said, um, she said, James Edward Cook, who in addition to filming the, uh, doing the film, also directed and co-wrote the film with, uh, Karen Taylor, um, interspersed between visions of the central house are moments where we get to bear witness to a beautifully sinister frost-bitten landscape. Snow dominates the greenery, strangling the life from the foliage and the shelter's shadows uh, between the trees, allowing them to slither inside the 
vicinities and take root to horrify the unknowing guests within. Um, I actually love how she wrote that. She's a great writer. <laughs> I did skim through this, but now I'm actually reading it and I'm like, damn, uh, kudos to this writer. Definitely linking this in. Um, so yeah, I, I do agree with her. I think the scenery of the whole movie is amazing. Um, I don't think this is a high budget film. Um, I, I don't think that it had a, a very large budget, but, um, there was, like I said, there was a couple parts of the movie where the CGI was used and it was, it was very creepy. There's some CGI in the, in the basement with the demon girl, um, which I really liked. And obviously there's CGI when Joe is throwing up the buttons. Um, so I really, am, I'm going to link this article below if you want to read it cause it's very long, but, um, it's good. Um, there was also, there were also some things in the movie that I didn't quite like. I kind of cringed a little bit cause I was like, mm, so I don't know if I would talk about, it. there's some fat shaming in there that Hugo does, does with Joe. Um, there's also a really weird scene in the beginning where she, the main character Mackenzie kind of makes, uh, homophobic uh, sediments, which was weird considering three out of the six people that were there, um, were gay. Uh, Hugo was gay. And then we had Joe and her girlfriend were also, uh, in a relationship. So I thought that was kind of weird. I, I'm, but I don't know. I'm, that's just my opinion, guys. Um, it was just, I, I really had to like, it was like a head scratcher. Like I remember like rewinding it a little bit and being like, did she, really? Yeah, she, okay. All right. Well, I'm just going to keep going with it. I mean, it is what it is. You know, your opinion is your opinion. So yes, guys, overall, I did like the movie. It was a little bit different than what I was expecting. Um, but none of these movies are ever what I really think they are. Um, definitely go check it out. It is streaming now on Shutter. You can watch it right now. Um, so yeah, uh, I did like this movie and I think that's going to be it. This is kind of a longer podcast. It's like 30 minutes. Um, but anyway, I don't make sure I hit on all my points that I made down the notes and talk to you guys about the article that I found. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, this is the seventh night of my horror nights and Christmas special with me, your host, Crystal. Um, come hang with me on Twitter. Uh, like I said, my handle is at horror daddies are us. And if you guys do have a couple seconds, please head over to iTunes as well and rate and review my podcast. Give it five stars. You can write a little comment if you want. No biggie. If you can't, I'd really, really, really appreciate it. Also, I have my YouTube channel, um, which is slowly coming along. It's just the audio right now with some cool pictures from the movies that I'm reviewing. Um, all right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I will talk to you tomorrow with another one. All right, guys, enjoy and a Merry Christmas. Bye, guys.